All right. Well, I want to do a quick recap. You know, we've been talking for the last month. Pastor Bray's been giving us an awesome series on detox in our life, and mainly detoxing the way we think, right? Detoxing, getting rid of all the negative, getting rid of uh, the way that the negative talk in our life, the negative things that we think about ourselves and we think about the circumstances around us, and just detoxing all the garbage out. Say, get the garbage out. And see, when we get the garbage out, how many of you are feeling like you're, you're doing the work and you're getting some of the garbage out and you feel like you're thinking a little better? I see one hand, two hands. Anybody else? A few hands out there, you know. But when we begin to do this work and we really uh, apply the Word of God to our lives, I can promise you it takes root and it works. I've noticed a difference in the way I I speak, I notice a difference in the way I think, and you just got to be careful. You know, I, I catch myself now where I used to be able to just start talking negative about things, and all of a sudden now, as soon as it starts coming out, I'm like, oops. You know, you can kind of hear that. Remember how Pastor Bray was drawing the line? It's a little harder for me to cross over that line now. That line's getting a little more prevalent in the way I speak and in the way I think. Amen. So, so what we have to do to completely detox, we got to remember that, hey, there's a line there, and we should not cross over that line. Amen? You guys okay? Now, one of the problems is, is when we detox, we have to fill that void with something, don't we? You know, how many of you guys have been on an encounter before? You know, we've had these, these encounter weekends where we go and we, we do work with God and, and we let God, you know, get all the, the junk out of us and we spend that weekend with God and we feel great, you know. But if we don't take what we've learned over that weekend, if we don't take the Word of God and we begin to apply it to our life and speak it and let it become who we are, then this little empty void, the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, it says that, the, uh, the in, see, the enemy flees, and it says he goes to dry places, but then he gets tired and thirsty and he wants to go home. So he comes back to check you out again. And when he comes back to check you out, it says that sometimes he finds the house all swept clean and in order, but it's not filled with anything. So he says, hmm. That looks pretty inviting. Let me go get seven of my friends, and uh, we're going to come back for a visit. And it says the condition of the man is worse at the end than it was at the beginning. So we have to be careful as we detox that we don't just do this work and we get all the junk out, which is great, but we've got to get all the junk out, and then we've got to fill it in with God's goodness. Amen? So you need, look at your neighbor and say, you need some of God in you. Need a lot, I heard, did you say you need a lot of God in you? All of God in you. Wow. Well, you can't have him all because I want some of him too. <clears throat> hmm. Love technology. All right, so last week, I'm just going to go over these real quick. Pastor Bray talked about these four points to detox. Number one, we have to disconnect from the sinful nature. You remember that? We have to disconnect from the thing. We can't be connected. Remember what, what he said? He was talking about Adam and Eve and about what, what was their first big mistake is that they got close enough to listen, right? They got close enough to hear what the enemy was saying. You got to disconnect completely from that, you know? You don't want to be anywhere around it. Say, I don't want to be around it. 
Then it says you need to reconnect with God's word. We've got to reconnect with God. You know, it used to be that when, when Adam and Eve were first in the garden that they connected with God every day. It said that he would come in the cool of the day and he would spend time with them, right? But then when they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid from God, right? They got afraid and they hid. But it says, Pastor Bray saying that we need to reconnect with God and with God's word. See, when God was there, it said that he would spend time with them and he would speak with them. That he would give words to them. That's very important that we spend time with God. I love reading my Bible. And I heard somebody once say that if God was to come and speak to you face to face, that whatever he would say to you is already written in the Word. And I believe that that's true. But I also like to spend time with God and hear him talk to me. Amen? That I'm not just reading it on, on uh, words on a piece of paper, but I, I have time with God and I can hear him speak to me personally. Amen? And then it says that we need to allow the fear of the Lord to protect us. Allow the fear of the Lord to protect you. That's the, the red line. That's the line that we've got to make sure that we don't cross over. You know, here we're staying in the fear of the Lord. Over here we're saying we know better than God and I'm not going to fear that anymore. When we walk, when we get out of there and we come over here, all of a sudden we're open game. I like to hunt, and uh, we, we make these food plots for the deer, and we put this big corn feeder in the middle of this field. <laughs> so, and, and we're waiting because we know that that deer is going to get hungry enough, and he's going to feel comfortable enough, and soon enough, he's going to come out from the woods where his safety is, and he's going to walk in the middle of that field and eat the corn, and he's going to die, right? So he, he's allowing the... Uh, the want for that corn to overcome the fear of there's somebody out there that's going to get me. Amen? So we got to be careful not to leave the wood line. we got to be careful to stay in God's presence and stay in the fear of the Lord and allow Him to protect us. And then it says, and I, I want to kind of talk about this today, treasure the fear of the Lord. That it's something to be treasured. And it really is, because when we have the fear of the Lord in his life, it gives us life. It gives us freedom. You know, we like to think that if we can't cross that line, then we're kind of stuck in this spot and there's nothing that we can do. And we keep looking at that line and we're thinking, man, it looks a lot better over there. It looks like there's freedom over there. But as soon as we cross over that line, we find out that there's not freedom there. There's really bondage. And when we leave out from underneath of God's presence and underneath of his protection, then all of a sudden what we thought is freedom becomes slavery, doesn't it? So we have to learn to treasure this, uh, this fear of the Lord. Amen? I want to read this scripture to you in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says this, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. By the renewing of your mind, 
focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now here's what I believe with all my heart and I've been since I've been a pastor preaching to, to little kids is that I believe that God made you with a purpose. I believe that each and every one of us has a specific purpose that God has given us. Now I don't believe that we all achieve the purpose that God has for us because I believe that sometimes we step out from underneath God's protection and we cross the line. And when we cross that line, we're, we're not allowing God to work in us. We're saying we know better than God. We become our own God. All right? But if we would stay over here and allow God, then I really believe that he would achieve and that you would achieve that purpose that you have in your life and what, that what you thought was keeping you down is actually what's going to keep you going. Amen? I, I was putting some thought into this, and I was thinking about baby birds, and I was thinking about how they learn to fly. And, you know, be before a baby bird learns to fly, what happens? The mama and the daddy come, they, they build this nest, and they lay the eggs, and they, they sit on these eggs, and they keep them nurtured, and they keep them warm, and, and they put feathers all around it. And, you know, and they take care of these eggs until they hatch. And then when they hatch, the real work starts, doesn't it? Then mom and daddy have to go hunt for food. And they come back continually. What, what are those little baby birds doing? You've seen the pictures. They're out there with their mouths wide open. Any of you guys ever rescued a baby bird and fed it and took care of it? Nobody in South Louisiana. Come on. There's a few of us. You know, where you find a little baby bird and you put him in your dresser drawer and you get the shoe box and you feed him. Nobody? Come on. What's happened to the world today? Y'all just let them go. They just die. So anyhow, but you see these little baby birds and, and mom and dad are constantly flying back and forth. They're coming to the nest. They're giving food. They're feeding. The little babies shut up for a little while. And then all of a sudden they start screeching again. And mom and daddy go out again and find more food. And it's just a constant thing that's going back and forth, back and forth. And it honestly sounds like a pretty good gig, doesn't it? Well, I get to stay here at home. I'm warm. I'm protected. Mom and dad are not bothering me. They're, when I cry, they bring me food and drink. I've got nothing to worry about. I could stay here forever. Sounds like a good thing until mom and dad get wise. And they say, I'm getting tired of flying all around, hunting for food. It's time for these guys to start working for themselves. So they begin to, instead of coming every 30 minutes with food, they start coming every couple hours. And then after a couple days, it becomes maybe once or twice a day. And then all of a sudden, these little birds are thinking, Mom and Dad have then lost their mind. Can't they see that we're hungry and they're not bringing us food? And all the while, they're looking at Mom and Dad and they're seeing, wait, they're coming and going. They're doing this thing here with their wings and they're coming back with food. There's got to be something with this, so... If I get hungry enough, maybe I'm going to try what they're doing, right? They're kind, of, they're kind of watching and learning. And before you know it, mom and dad stop coming back at all. 
and they, they stay away and they kind of watch at a distance and they're looking, thinking, I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder how long they're going to stay there. And after a couple days, the, the starvation gets to them and the hunger gets to them and they say, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. And they get on that little nest and they get on the side and they start flapping their wings and, you know, and then before you know it, what are they doing? They're taking off flying. But it wasn't because all of a sudden, it, you know, some of them, they even, the, the mom and daddy will just push them out the nest. You seen that? They just get out there and say, you on your own, buddy. I'm tired of this. Boop. <laughs> you ever did that? Just a quick story. You know, when we like to protect our babies, don't you? How many of you guys have had babies? Especially the first one or two. You're really protective over those guys. After two, it just gets crazy, so you just let them go. Uh, but the first one or two, Connor can tell you, he's on his own. Uh, but that first one, or I remember Chris, Christopher had a hard life, I can tell you. He, because uh, he was the second, and uh, I think we had the third. Connor was there, but uh, Cameron, I mean. And uh, we had a little house over in Hammond, and we built this little room. And I remember Jennifer was getting dressed one morning. We're getting, we might have been going to church, I don't remember. But she had Christopher in the uh in the carrier in the car carrier <laughs> she she had him sitting there in the carrier and she's putting on her makeup and everything and i kind of walk in and as soon as i walk in i see the carrier go boom, upside down with christopher and i kind of look me and her just kind of looked at each other for a second and we're like that's not right <laughs> So we pick him up. He was strapped in. And he was good. He was good to go. Thank God. But he was sitting there. You know, we we try to do everything that we can do to protect these babies. But sometimes we just gotta push them out, right? And then another time, Christopher. I remember we were on an airplane. Poor Christopher. He got it all the time. This guy's pulling his bags out the thing. She's holding him, and his bag falls and hits Christopher right in the head. He was a little bitty thing. Had a big old welt on his head. <coughs> but we get to, you know, when our babies start trying to walk, i got a little grandbaby, and she's just getting to the point to where she'll let go, and she'll stand for a second, and then we all know that she can do it, but she don't know she can do it, you know? But she is, she does have magical this powers that, like, we can leave her in one spot, and then we turn our back, and we look, and she's, like, on top of the uh, table in the middle of the living room. We're like... How did she get there? She was over there. How did she get on top of the table? So we're still trying to figure that out, but we know that she can do it, but she's not quite sure. So, you know, in that first one, you're kind of holding her hand. You go, you know, mom's on one side, dad's on the other side. And you get after like the third or fourth one, you're like, you got to get up and go, boy. What are you doing? And that's kind of how nature is. They're saying, look, I'm going to stop feeding you. And you got to go. You got to get out of your safety zone here. You got to get out of everybody's going to take care of you and everybody's going to do everything for you. And you've got to step into your purpose. Say, I've got to step into my purpose. Kind of like I was talking about Becca. You know, at some point she had to realize, wait, I can sing. I can do this and I can get in front of people if I need to. And before you know it, she's a star. When y'all see Becca, tell her she's a star. Now, I've got a little uh I've got a little video I want to show you. 
you can cue up that, that first video. Now, if you like love animals, you might not want to watch this. It turns out good at the end. Look at this little guy. Alright, now this little guy is getting brave, right? Now, let me, let me tell you what's happening right here. Mama and Daddy are 200 foot at the bottom of the cliff calling this little guy, saying, hey, come down here. I'm not feeding you anymore. If you don't come down here, you're going to die of starvation. So, the little guy's looking, and he's thinking, I either stay in here or die, or I jump and die. So let me, let me think about what I'm going to do for a minute. And of course we see, all right, start it back up. He takes off, man. Look at this little guy. A perfect launch. Perfect launch. And a controlled drop. He's this soaring. Is Look at that. As it's possible to make. Look at this. Now that don't even look normal. He's making it. All right. He's soaring, right? He jumped out of the nest. He's now he don't even he don't even have feathers. Somehow this guy's gliding down, and it, I don't know if you could hear the guy, but he's like perfect launch. He's doing better than anybody expected him to do, you know. And he's flying and he's soaring. But if you look at this, at one one time he was confined to this nest. And all he could see was right what was in front of him, right? And then you look, and he's standing on the edge of this thing, and he's thinking, hmm, my perspective's changing a little bit. This looks like it might be pretty cool. I see mom and dad way down there. They had to get down there some kind of way. Look like they're having fun. So let me try this. We're just going to leave that there for a minute. When I think about this story, I'm going to tell you a, real, a story real quick. I'm running out of time so fast, and I hadn't even got to one of my points yet. All right. We're gonna, Nehemiah. Anybody know who Nehemiah is? And I'm not going to read it because it will take me forever. But Nehemiah had a passion to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, for 153 years, the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. Way before Nehemiah was even born, these walls had been torn down. He saw his brothers coming home from, they had visited Jerusalem, and he asked them what the condition was, and all of us, they told him, look, it's, it's bad. It's a desolate place. The walls are torn down. The gates are, are burned. People are, are living in the rocks. They've got nothing to do. They've got nowhere to go. It's just a bad situation. And immediately, Nehemiah got a passion. Nehemiah found his purpose. So he goes to the king, long story story, goes to the king, and he, uh, he gets permission to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, he's got no money. He's got no team. He's not a carpenter. He's a, he's a, a cupbearer, which is he's just like a little slave boy that takes care of the king is all he does. I, I don't, doesn't ever say that he had any, any uh, engineering degrees or anything like that. He was just a regular old guy that had a passion to do something for God, right? And he goes out. He looks at the condition of the walls, and he starts building, and all of a sudden, he gets a team together and says, hey, let's rebuild this thing. Let's do it. And because of his vision and his positive attitude, all of a sudden, he had uh, a bunch of people helping him. And then 
at the same time, people were helping him. Other people were trying to destroy the wall, right? So they had to work with a hammer in one hand and the sword in the other. Remember the story? They had to protect. They had to keep out the bad guys, and they had to build at the same time. And they get to work, and they're building this wall. And uh, all of a sudden, they're in a good spot. Uh, Nehemiah is standing on top of the wall, and these guys, named, remember their names? Sambalat and Tobiah come and start saying hey we need to talk to you we've got come come to the valley of oh no remember that come to the valley of oh no we've got some things to talk about and uh and I love Nehemiah's response and he says this if if you look in Nehemiah I'm not going to read it but I am going to read it but I'm not going to let you look it up but it says come and meet with us in the valley of Ono, and I knew they were scheming to hurt me, so I sent messages back with this. I love this. I am doing a great work. I can't come down. Look at your neighbor and say, I am doing a great work. I can't come down. And look, this is the attitude you got to have. God has a purpose and a plan for you. You have a great work to do. You can't come down. You can't cross over and say, oh, I got, ain't got time for that. I got time for a little bit. What you got? And all of a sudden they start speaking. Remember what he said? Stay away. Say, I ain't got time. Look at your neighbor and say, I ain't got time. Nehemiah was determined to do the work. And he was not going to allow anything to come between him and the purpose that God had for his life. At the end of the story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry up and get through so we can get to the rest to, the, to my points. I haven't got to one of them yet. At the end of the story, God did a miracle. And it said, what had been torn down now for 153 years was rebuilt in 52 days. In 52 days, a guy left his job, had no knowledge of how to rebuild a wall or a gate or anything else, how to put a team together how to get people to come, how to fight a war, how to do anything. And in 52 days, he completed the job that God gave him. I love how God can just use anybody. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, he can use you too. Look, what, look like, what looks like impossible situations for you are not. There's nothing that we can't do. When God puts something in our heart, there is nothing that we can't do. We can achieve the things that God calls us to do. Now, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to want to be on your team. People are even going to try to hurt you, and people are even going to try to keep you from, from doing the thing that you want to do. It's just life. Say, it's life. Four keys, real quick. Number one, you need to write this down. I believe this word is for you. Number one is you have to face your fears. What did the little bird have to do? The first thing that he did, he stuck his little neck out and like, oh my goodness. I ain't jumping. I'm sure he looked over that cliff probably a, a dozen or more times before he decided to jump, right? And you got he's the last one in the nest. So we don't know what happened to brothers and sisters. He knows, and he's thinking, ah, that don't look too fun to me. I don't know about this, you know. But look, if we're going to go out there and we're going to do what God calls us to do, we've got to face it. God's not always going to call you to stay in your comfort zone. 
God's going to call you to do something that you have no business doing, that you in your own right have no business doing. He's going to give you the strength to do it. Just like Nehemiah had no knowledge of how to build a wall, God gave him supernatural knowledge. Just like this little bird had no idea he knew how to fly. He didn't know he could do it. Nobody knew he could do it until he jumped out the nest. Say it's time to jump out. you got to face your fears. What is fear? Pastor Dick Flores taught me this along with this little acronym. False evidence appearing real. That's what fear is. False evidence appearing to be real. That's all fear is. Look, it's, fear is not truth. We have to, what does God call us to operate in? Faith. Come on, say it where I can hear you. God calls us to operate in faith, not fear. If we're operating in fear, we're in the opposite of what God wants us to do. Now, there's a difference between operating in fear and operating in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Nehemiah was operating in the fear of the Lord. And that's why he had the favor of God. That's why he had the protection of God. That's why he got the wisdom of God. That's why he had the anointing of God on his life because he is operating under the fear of the Lord. Amen? Now look, when you're looking at this, it's the hardest thing in the world for you to do. It's understandable. But if you go ahead and jump out, something good can happen. All right, number two is you have to soar above the circumstances you've got to soar above the circumstance you've got to get above when you're in the middle of a circumstance when you're in the middle of a problem you can't see anything else can you all you're thinking about is that problem God never called us to be in the middle of the problem Nehemiah didn't go look at the wall and just look at it and say this is ridiculous I can't believe people have been living like this for 153 years. I can't do anything with this. This is an impossible task. I don't know anything about building a wall. I don't have any carpenters here. I don't have any masons here. I don't have And people are trying to stop me from doing I can't stay here. I can't. What did he do? He got on top of the wall. It said that he was looking down. At them, right? He rose above the circumstances. He said, You know what? It was here before. Somebody built it before. It can be rebuilt again, right? If God did it for them, He can do it for me. If He did a miracle once, He can do a miracle again, right? You've got to soar. See, your, pers- your perspective changes when you get above the circumstances. If you feel yourself getting down, Don't go in the bed and put your heads under the covers and lay there for 10 days. You're staying in the circumstances. That's not where God did not call you to be in those circumstances. He called you to be above the circumstances. Get above it. Look at your neighbor and say, get above it. Get a new perspective on it. You've got to get out of that. You've got to get above it. You've got to get some people that, that can speak positively into your life. Amen? Soar above the circumstances. New perspective. When you are above your problems, they seem a lot smaller. How many have been in an airplane? You know, when you're, when you're at an airport is one of the worst places in the world to be, isn't it? Does anybody enjoy going to an airport? It's not fun at all. It's terrible. The food's bad. It's too expensive. 
There's people in a rush going, they make you take your clothes off to go through this metal detector. I mean, it's just a bad situation all around. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, there's people that should have took a bath that's all around you, you know. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's not a good place to be. But when you're in the airplane, and I always try to get a window seat because I like looking out. When you're in the airplane and you're up above, you forget about that airport, don't you? And you start looking and you're thinking, wow, look how small everything looks down there. And that's how it becomes when you get with God. When you're in a circumstance and it's bad and all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm going to spend some time with God. I'm going to allow God to take me above those circumstances. And I'm going to soar above it for a little while. And I'm going to get a new perspective. Because that's where the answers come from. When you get a new perspective, if all you're doing is focusing on the problem, focusing on the problem, then you'll never get the answer to the problem. But when you get above it and you start seeing things a little more clear, all of the, you know, I've had lots of projects when, when I, I'm trying to do it and I'll be working late at night and I just get tired and I'm like, i got to get this done, but I'm so tired I can't think straight. And what took me like three hours to do, I can go to bed and I can wake up the next morning and in ten minutes I can have it done because I'm not tired anymore. All of a sudden I've got a new perspective. Anybody been there, done that? And that's how it is. Say, soar above. you got to get above it. All right? Now, the number three, it says, stay focused on the job at hand. Now, I want to go back to the little video. Can we go back to the little video? When the little guy was soaring, a man, he was doing really good. And it was looking like this guy is an ace. Now, let's see what happens. I mean, look at this guy. He's soaring. He's above the circumstances. And then, is he going to make it? Looks good. It's looking good. Looking like he's... Oh, no. What? Now, I want you to notice, mom and dad are right there watching the whole time. The dude just wiped out. He hit the cliff. And he wiped out, and mom and dad are like, no big deal. Keep going. Oh, man. Wasted. <laughs> Boom. He's bouncing. That's what happens when you take your eyes off of what you're supposed to be doing. The good news is, I watched the rest of the video. The little guy gets up and walks around, and greet mom and dad are down there to greet him, and he's like, whack, whack, and he's doing great. His brother didn't make out so well, though. They showed a picture of the brother kind of crushed on the side of the cliff. But anyhow, he made it. He did good. But look, when we don't stay focused, when we, when we cross over the line and we allow the circumstances, when we go to the valley of oh no, see, Nehemiah was up high over the circumstances. They were trying to call him down into the middle of the circumstances, weren't they? They were saying, come down here. That's even what they said. Come down here into the valley of oh no. We need to talk about what you're doing. We've got to talk about it. I mean, you're doing a good thing, but let's just talk about it for a minute. Nehemiah, I ain't got time to talk. 
I'm doing a work for God. When I finish, then we'll talk. And that's the attitude that we got to get. When we're in the middle of doing what God's called us to do, let's not visit over here. Let's stay focused. How many college students, high school students we got here, and you're in the middle, you're getting ready for exams? You can't go to the Valley of Oh No, can you? Your friends are calling, let's go to the movies, let's go grab coffee. And you're like, can't do that, I've got finals. Got to stay here, I got to stay focused. If you mess up one time and you go drink that PJs, you're thinking, oh, that wasn't so bad. I kind of needed a caffeine break. Before you know it, you're at the, the night before the, the finals, and what are you doing? How did I get in this situation? I don't know what I'm going to do. It's because you, got, you, you went down into the valley, right? You got to stay focused. Say, stay focused. Stay focused on the thing that God's called you to do. Now, look, in 52 days, now this seemed like, not only did it seem like an impossible situation, this was not the last time that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down, nor was it the first time. It had happened many times. And the last time that they repaired them, I think I read it back, it was in 1530-something. It took four years. And that was when they had more technology and they had more people and they had a lot of people working together, construction crews going out there to do this thing. It took four years. Nehemiah was able to do a miracle in 52 days with no degree in building walls, with no team, with just, you know what, I'm going to stay above the circumstances. I'm going to finish what God called me to do. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work. I'm going to have a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to do it. And how do you think? Nehemiah felt when the job was finished. I did it. I have victory. And that, let me read it to you. Not only do you get to bask in what God used you to do, but look what it says, what happens to the enemy. It says the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. It had taken 52 days. When all the enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve. The enemies totally lost their nerve. Now look, you want to keep company with the enemy? Keep putting God's job off. You want to you stay fighting? You want to stay being discouraged? You want to stay not being able to finish the thing that God called you to do? Well, take time off. Do what you... But look, if you stick to it and you keep doing it, even your enemies go away. Because now they know, I can't mess with that guy. See that guy there? When he puts his mind to do something, he's going to get it done. And he's going to finish it. But how many times have we started good and not finished? Well, the enemy wins every time that happens. Every time you, you start good and you get halfway through it and you decide to jump over the line to the negative side, the enemy's like, I won. He's with me in the valley of oh no now. He did good for a little while. He got half the wall built. I mean, 
He worked really hard, and that would have been the story that we're talking about today. Well, Nehemiah started good, and he almost got it finished, but he decided to go visit Ono. Instead, we get to say, look what God did. Not look what Nehemiah did. Even Nehemiah says it. He says, our enemies totally lost their nerve. They knew that God was behind our work. See, when you finish, even the enemy knows God is with you. Guess who the enemy don't want to mess with? God. If the enemy knows God is with you and God is on your side and he knows that you're going to work hard and you're going to do what you're told to do, then he ain't going to mess with you. And even if he does mess with you, it don't matter because you're going to finish anyway, right? Say, I'm a finisher. Last point, pray. He waited patiently. The last point is you got to finish with grace. And I kind of stole some of it because I just talked about it. But number four is, look, finish with grace. Nehemiah finished the job. It was excellent. It, he had done everything that he was told to do. It was done with, a, with a, uh, uh, an excellent spirit. The craftsmanship was right. It wasn't, you know, when they were picking on him, uh, Sam Ballot and Tobiah were coming around, and if a, if a fox runs on that thing, it's going to fall down. You know, they were trying to put down on him. And, uh, but no, it was done right. It was done better than it was, and it was better then than it was when he started. Amen? So we've got to finish with grace, and we've got to finish with God. You know, if you look at, I'm going to read this last scripture, but I want you to show that, that video of that eagle flying. You know, when we first start out, we kind of look like that little chick jumping off the cliff, don't we? We're not real sure. We don't know what's going to happen. We might have a little few bumps in the road and crack our head and wipe out, right? But after a while, as we mature and as we learn to stay in God's presence and we learn to stay under the protection of God, then all of a sudden we get to do something. We get to finish with grace and we get to soar like these eagles. I want to show that the, the video of these eagles flying. Philippians 4.13, I know you guys all know this scripture. It says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can turn the sound down on that a little bit. I just want them to see the. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See the little eaglet didn't look like that when he first jumped out, did he? Now look at this guy. Does that look graceful? See, at some point in his life, he had to decide to jump out the nest. He had to decide to jump out the, off the cliff. 
And it was either I'm going to stay here and I'm going to starve to death or I'm going to give it a try. Look, you got a decision to make today. You can either stay in the nest and not grow and starve to death and not be able to finish with grace or you can do the work and you will end up being like these guys, soaring above the circumstances. You know, when there's a storm, an eagle doesn't sit in the storm and battle it down here on earth. What do they do? They rise above it and they just float. And they just soar above the storm. They're looking down. They're like, man, things look pretty bad down there, but man, it's really good up here. See, and that's where we need to be. We don't need to be down there in the middle of the storm. We've got to rise. We've got to soar above the circumstances. We've got to be like these eagles. But you've got, you got to decide to jump out. Amen? And what does it mean to jump out? To jump out just means this. It means to treasure the fear of the Lord. To treasure the fear of the Lord. To stay within His boundaries. To do the things that He calls called you to do not to step over here and think that you can do it in your own strength and think that that you know well everything will work out anyhow and maybe I can spend a little time with them and I'll just get back to the work later no treasure let it be a treasure because when you treasure the fear of the Lord you get to soar above the circumstances you get to fly free and do the thing that God called you to do amen Let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you. You guys okay? I was ready to go to work. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got a great work that has to be done. And I ain't got time to come down. Let's go do the work, guys. Let's close your eyes for a moment. And I know for some of you this may be a, a scary moment because you're just not quite sure. You don't know what's going to happen when you jump out the nest. But if you do it because you love God and you do it for the right reason, you do it the way that the reason that Nehemiah did is because it was a calling on his life, God is going to be there. You know, the Word of God says that He will thoroughly equip you for every good work. He will thoroughly equip you. It's not about doing it in your own strength, not doing it in your, in your own might, not about doing it even in your own time, but allowing God to equip you to do the work, and then you can get it done. Just like Nehemiah had no talents to build a wall, God gave it to him. Just lift your hands right now and just receive from God everything that you need to do the work that's ahead of you. All of us have different things. We all have different purposes. It's all not the same work. It's all the same result, though. We get to finish with grace. Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you for these great people, God. And God, I thank you for the great purpose and the great plan that you have for our lives, God. And Lord, as we're here today, Lord, and we're, we're pondering what we're supposed to do, whether we're supposed to stay in the nest or whether we're supposed to jump out, God, we, we choose today, God, to, to jump out, to face our fears and to jump out and do the thing that you've called us to do, God. Lord, not in our own strength, 
And God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would reach down from heaven, that you would send your Holy Spirit, God, and that you would fill them with sufficiency, that you would give them, God, everything that they need to finish the work with grace, God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that their enemies would be scattered in Jesus' name. Lord, that as, as the enemy takes notice of who they are, that there, there's something different about them today. There's a different anointing on their life, that they've received a gift from you to complete and accomplish and do the things that you've called them to do. That the enemy takes notice and the enemy takes flight right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord that this is a room full of finishers. God, that we don't just start. God, but we finish. And we finish with the grace of God on our lives. We finish with excellence. Lord, we choose today, God, not to, not to cross over that line, God, but we tr- choose, God, to treasure the fear of the Lord. We choose to let that be our motto, that, that we walk in the fear of the Lord and everything that we do and everything that we say, God, and we accomplish the things that you've called us to do, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we will remain humble in our victories, God. We thank you, God, that we'll continue to let you use us, God. Lord, that as we, we finish one project in grace, God, and, and we finish this one thing, God, that, that we're willing to do another. God, continue to use us, God. Continue to strengthen us, Father. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would make us like the eagles, God, that we would soar above our circumstances, God. Lord, that we wouldn't get caught up in the storm, God, but we would get a new, fresh perspective, God, on what's really going on, that we would get your perspective on things, God. And we thank you, Lord. And God, we just thank you. And Lord, with your eyes closed, if there's anybody here today that says, you know what, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I've never really accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I need him today. I need to start this journey. God loves you so much. And he has a plan and a purpose for you, just like he has for everyone else in this room. And he will help you. And you just got to take the first step. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need him to touch me, and I'm willing to give him everything. With every eye closed and every head bowed, just just lift your hand real quick. Let me see. I just want to pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hands. Anybody else? I see your hand. Come on, just receive. I'm not going to embarrass you. Come on, just lift it up so I can see it. Anybody else all over the room? Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you. Now, I'm just going to say a prayer, and I want, you, I want us all to repeat this. Amen. Especially you with your, with your hands raised. This is for you. This is going to change your life for the rest of your life, not just today, but forever. I want you to say this. Say, Father, I've sinned. I've messed things up, and I continue to mess things up. Father, today... I choose to do things the right way. I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I give him everything. I believe 
that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. I receive what he did in my life. I now make him the Lord of my life. Father, forgive me for my sins. I repent. I was moving in one direction, in the direction of destruction. And I choose now to move in the direction of prosperity and peace and power in my life. I choose Jesus. I surrender. And it's in the mighty, precious name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big shout. Hey, go do it. Rise above the circumstances. Get out there and do some work this week. Amen? You guys are awesome.